there. This is Carrie Schaefer, also known as author Carrie Ann King, and you are listening to Tell Me Your Secrets, where I get to take you off the page with the people who make the books we all love to read. Tell Me Your Secrets is produced from live stream video and is owned and copyrighted by Authors on the Air Global Radio Broadcasting Network. Hi, everybody. Carrie here with another edition of Tell Me Your Secrets, which is one of the shows in the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network family. I am delighted to have a guest with us here today. It is Lee Geller. And I have to be really careful because I've known her kind of online for years. We shared a publisher and I've been calling her Leah in my head like forever. So if I trip up today, um, you can all correct me or Lee can correct me, but it's Lee, Lee Geller, who is here with us today. Lee is the recipient of the 2019 Catherine Gerfin, I probably pronounced that wrong too, writing fellowship at Sarah Lawrence College. She lives in New York with her husband and five children. We have to talk about that. I managed two, sometimes three, and that was enough for me, for whom she frequently wakes up and makes five separate breakfasts. Lee began her writing career by blogging about her adventures in the trenches of parenting and got the idea for her first novel, Trophy Life, when her two sons were in middle school. When Lee is not writing and eavesdropping on her children, she can be found running, drinking diner coffee, and occasionally teaching middle school English. She is a graduate of Columbia University and Stanford Law School. So I am going to bring Lee on right now to say hi. Hello, Lee. Hi, it's nice to see you. Nice to see you too. Um, hopefully we have some people who will show up and ask us some questions, but if not, I have plenty of questions for you. So right off the start, before we even get to the book, I do have to say five, five children and yeah. five separate breakfasts. I mean, some of them make their own breakfasts now. <laughs> But, but, okay, so you win an award, like, already from me. You get some kind of a medal for this. For doing it. Yeah, no, some of them, now the older ones, some of them can make their own, and I just really have the younger ones to deal with. But nobody ever wanted to, when there were fewer of them, I could get them to eat the same thing. Um, (laughs) And then I I don't know what happened. But everyone's diverted. How how old are these kids now? What's the range in age? They are 19, 17, 14, 12, and 10. Okay. So no babies. No babies, which is important to know because that might have been a question based on the book. So for starters, now we need to do talk about the book. We have to start here. So you can hold up your copy. I love how this cover just totally pops. It does. Uh, I love this color. The Truth and Other Hidden Things by Lee Geller. So Lee, tell us what the book is about. The book is about a woman who, um, on the same day that she learns that she has to leave the city and move up to the Hudson Valley for her husband's job, he doesn't get tenure in the city and they have to move. She, she also learns that she her IUD has failed and she's pregnant and she is mid forties with two adolescent children. Um, and it's sort of what happens to her as she leaves her home, as she starts this new life, as she starts this new pregnancy adventure, as she is a fish out of water in every sense of the word, and um, what she decides to do when she gets to this town. Right, which I have to say, because the name just fascinated me, the, the name of the town is Pigkill. So 
Right. So there's a fish kill um, in upstate New York. And kill, I think, is Dutch for pond or lake or body of water. And I just like, I you know I love, you know, if you comic writing, it's so good to have words that just sound funny. Yeah. Um, and so pig kill to me, just it just oh, it's, it's, there was it's, little something Lord of the Flies about it, as I reference in the book. There's just something funny about that word. Well, it's perfect. It actually, it, it put me in memory of, and I can't even remember what this book is about, but Barbara Kingsolver had, wrote a book of pigs, yeah. pigs in heaven, right? Yeah. And the town was called heaven. And I can't yeah. remember why there were pigs. I, I, I read that. I just remember it was her first book, the first book of hers that I read, and I adored it um, because it was a little quirky and funny yeah. And, yeah. and all of that stuff. So first off, getting pregnant at 43, 42, 43, somewhere in there. Around there, yeah. She turns 43. Right. The book. With children old enough not to think that this is cool. Yeah. I mean, I, my, you know, I, like many uh, people of my generation, you know, my parents divorced and remarried and my mother had children from her second marriage, which is not that uncommon, especially not today. But I was a teenager when she was pregnant. Ah. I was horrified. Yes. And and you were she was very, very young when she had me. Um, she was 20. So she wasn't even that old, but she was having babies and right. I just and she was nursing them in the mall. And and you as a teenager yeah. would have just been absolutely mortified. Yes. Yes, um, because parents are not supposed to be parents and they're not. I mean, they're supposed to be parents. They're not supposed to be humans. And also, like, you can be a human, but don't be a mammal. Like, don't, don't be a mammal. <laughs> it's so physical. It's so visceral. Like, it's very, I mean, I think if you didn't think it was for a moment, get discovered. I mean, like, you'd have to be like one very cool kid to not for a minute just be a little freaked out by it. Yeah. And, and who are the kids in, in this story? Tell us a little bit about that. She them. has a, a son uh, who is a junior in high school and a daughter who's a middle schooler. Right. Yes. yes. Um, I loved your son at the, in the book, by the way. He um, He's a musician. He's... Uh, um, another interesting thing about this character is you've chosen to show the um, mom who's not a helicopter mom. Right in a school full of helicopter moms. You know, there's so many books about these sort of like, like lazy moms, the slacker moms, you know, the wine o'clock moms and who she's just not one of those. Like she has consciously decided that her children, like a, it's just not for her. And also she doesn't have stellar students as children. Like they're average above average, like many people, like not every child is going to be gifted if that's even a good thing, but she just has these kids who do fine in the middle of the pack at school, somewhere near. They have other talents and hobbies, but even those talents and hobbies are not particularly gifted in those either. Good at them. They like them, but no one's winning prizes and scholarships. And most people are like that. And she doesn't see why she has to push these kids and go, you know, sort of like, I a, pretend that they could get something they couldn't, but even if they could, I just don't think she sees the value in it. I right. Think she, exactly. Yeah. And I was, I, I really wanted that to be a big part of her personality. I don't think we see a lot of that. Like we read a lot of books about hyper-competitive parents and the parents that don't care, but the parents that actively choose right. not to do this. Right, right. I, I loved that about her, yeah. by the way. So, um, and, and you've really made her suffer by throwing her into a, a <laughs> hyper-competitive environment. A hyper-competitive environment. So before we get any further in the weeds, because I, I sometimes forget and I don't want to do that, I want to hear 
you read the first page okay. or so of this. I will read the first page or so. Wonderful tone in this book, which okay. by the way, also contains these wonderful blog articles. So we're going to talk about that yes, later. Those, too. <laughs> those okay. are so fun. I'll start right at the beginning. Then. Yes, perfect. Okay. The day Harry didn't get tenure was also the day I discovered that an IUD is not foolproof. At the time, it was hard to say which news was worse. <laughs> I was smacked by the first piece of information while I was moving things around in our apartment. Harry and I moved into this Upper West Side faculty housing near the university when we were expecting our daughter, Alice, and when, our Sam, when Sam, our oldest, was three. Back then, well over a decade ago, we were only three people, almost four, and we had clothes, toys, and books, but mostly books. Every six months, I ejected books to make room for an additional pair of sneakers, another gray hoodie, or one more box of indiscriminate white wires. The grand culling involved tossing about 5% of everything we owned, which really meant tossing 5% of what the kids and I owned because Harry was very protective of his things. In Harry's mind, in order for an item to qualify for the purge, it needed to have completely disintegrated as though soaked in a bath of acid. He would regular, regularly paw through the giveaway bags, making sure I wasn't forcing him to part with the nubby sweater he'd had since college or the pleat the pleated rust-colored corduroys he'd bought as a grad student. Coupled with Harry's inability to cull was his careful procurement of what little he did own. Harry had a penchant for locally roasted coffee and small batches of gin, most of it brewed in Brooklyn bathtubs and decanted into darling little bottles that I kept and filled with things, but would eventually have to discard in the grand culling. I love the tone and the way that you've set up all of the characters and um, your main character and and their you know their, their lives. You get you get a pretty good sense of Harry yes. um, already from that front page, and then he just progresses more so um, as they move to. Well, a, he moves to like his happy place where there's micro batch everything and hemp tote bags and you know fancy vegetables. Very fancy vegetables. Yes. Uh, <laughs> So the, your main character in this book, she's, she, she turns to blogging. So yeah. she's in this position where, gosh, she's already a mom and a, and a wife. And she learned to be, I mean, she went to school to be an attorney because that's what her mother wanted her to do, but not what she wanted to do. She wants to be a writer, um, but she's in this position. So she begins blogging. Right. In a small community about the people in the community. So if this was a movie, you'd already hear the music. Yeah, the, the tone would change. This this can't end well. You, no, you, no. You, you know it can't. And yet she does. And I love the blogs that she writes because they're so funny. Oh, I'm so glad you thought so. I had so much fun writing them. Yes. Um, you know, initially she starts out just sort of like detailing life. You know, it's all sort of, yeah, she writes about kombucha and, you know, um, mason jars and, you know, reclaimed wood benches and like what it looks like in Hipsterville, but also in a sort of like post-industrialized Hudson Valley town where, you know, the new and the older mixing and all right, that. Yeah. And then I think she starts to feel, A, she starts to see things that she hasn't noticed before about the people in that town, but I think she starts to really feel uncomfortable about herself and, um, I mean, I think she, we can, I, I mean, I think it's fair to say she has a fair amount of social anxiety yeah. and being pregnant um, at what she perceives to be an old age and not feeling great about the way she looked before she got pregnant and just being new and the kids the way they are in this hyper-competitive town. So she starts to feel very judged and very slighted. Some of it justified, some of it maybe not. Right. So this 
blob also turns out to be a form of revenge for her, like a revenge <laughs> vehicle where she can sort of take down these women who are she she thinks are taking her down. Right. The the mean girls, and they do come across as mean girls. I mean, grown, grown up, grown up mean girls. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean they're mean. And there's a click. So um I'm I'm curious because you've been a blogger. So yeah. when you did the blogging, did you ever fall into this kind of, you know, social commentary on things that you thought were irritating? Definitely, I definitely had a fair amount of social commentary. Um, you know, even blogging during the pandemic, which I sort of did more of than I had taken a break. You know, I was blogging about like, stop showing me all the things your child is building in quarantine. I don't want to see another puzzle. I can't get anyone to do them. You know, like, like sort of like commenting on social trends that I'm noticing that and what I think about them. And you can either agree or disagree. Um, it was never personal. Um, but to some degree, I did. I mean, yeah, I think I think that I think that um, I think that's interesting to me. I think in general, like zeitgeist is interesting and what's going on in hers and, you know, what, what it's been like for the, us for the past year and the humor in it. Right. Yeah. You know. Did you, did you let her express some opinions that you might kind of personally have had a little more quietly? I mean, I certainly am on her page when it comes to the college rush. Um, you know, yeah. I think we all pretend that we want well-rounded children for, for, for the sake of these children, but I don't think there are well-rounded 18 year olds necessarily. I mean, this, it's not really supposed to happen at 18. Um, it's not developmentally appropriate. I don't think, and it's, and we pretend it's for their own good, but it's really just for college. Everything's for college. And so I agree with that. I put a lot of my own feelings about it in there in a funnier way, hopefully than <laughs> I feel, but, um, yeah, some of the, I mean, listen, there's clicks everywhere. There's clicks in every, um, there's clicks online, there's clicks, um, in the book world, there's clicks in the law world, there's clicks in the mommy world. Like, you know, they're pretty potent and they are everywhere. And, um, you know, often the people on top were never on top before, and this is their moment in the sun. Right. And so they behave accordingly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just, I, I found it all fascinating and I found it interesting when I looked at your bio to see that um, you are a mom, you are a blogger and you've been to law school. So do you want to tell us a little bit about the, the law school? I think you're, your bio said a recovering attorney. Is that correct? I, I, um, I was a lawyer for a little while, a while, not a very good one, a fine one. Um, I, and we lived on the West coast. And so eight years ago, we moved to New York nine years ago, nine years ago, maybe. And, um, my light just went out and, um, uh, I decided I wanted to pivot. Like I had um, been blogging for a long time. Um, somebody that I had never met, um, who's now a friend, um, messaged me and said, you know, I really like your blog. And I don't know if you ever thought about novel writing, but a good friend of mine is teaching a class at Sarah Lawrence. You should check it out. And so I walked into this class at Sarah Lawrence um, with an idea kind of for a book about middle school boys and a mm -hmm. trophy who has to teach them. <laughs> and, um, and then I met Eileen Palmer, who is one of my dearest friends today and basically my, my work wife. I mean, we basically, non we're starting to meet up. We used to, we meet two, three times a week and work just in the same space, tossing ideas back and forth. You know, she was my teacher and now sort of is like my, partner in crime, but I started taking her class um, and I took other classes too. And so then I sort of like, that's how I really pivoted from law to blogging to writing. Uh-huh. 
That's it's it's quite a pivot, and and then to it's a very common one. If you look around, uh-huh. so many authors are lawyers too, and I don't know whether it's that it's the same part of the brain, it's the same kind of skill, lawyers or storytellers, or just most of us should have been should never have gone to law school. <laughs> I, think, I think fewer people are going now. There was, you know, for us, there was a consensus that there were only a few things you could do um, that were that were. Um, you know, that you could, that they were reliable, that were conventional, that you could right. support yourself in. Mm-hmm. Um, being a writer was not one of them. No, no, not at all. But okay, here's the thing. I have this thought that being an attorney, you do have to have decent writing skills. Right. hundred percent. I mean, not all kinds of law, but, but this, yes, I was writing briefs and memos. So for sure you had to tell, and you had to tell a story. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. So you had practice. I had practice. <laughs> So were you a storyteller anyway? Like I tell stories. Yeah. Yeah. I noticed that, um, which, which shows up. Okay. So I, before I forget, I do have to mention in the, in the book, there is a character who's one of my favorite minor characters in the book. Um, his name is (laughs) quick Richard. Do you, (laughs) do you want to tell us a little bit about quick Richard first in the book and then you know, where the idea for that character came from. Uh, he's based on a real character. He's a handyman that showed up to work in the, his house we rented years ago. And just, you know, we would give him something to do. And six months later, he would come back. And so the kid's his name was Richard. He was lovely and like very wise. And he had like a great energy. And he was, he was a, he was a, uh, I'm not a carpenter, but he would make beautiful furniture. I mean, this was just a side gig for him. And he was just so slow. And so we called him Quick Richard. And so I just felt like in this house, which was a character unto itself in the book, she needed to have a Quick Richard there who would come in and out and sort of bestow pearls of wisdom on her and then leave and come back. <laughs> right, exactly. He liked to quote uh, Emerson. Is, is... Like a bit of Emerson, a bit of Thoreau. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, which is great. So the house is a character all in itself. So yeah. it's this old you know, you think old house and your first thing is, oh, cool, it's an old house. But tell us a little bit about this house that you chose to yeah. present. I love an old house and I live in an old house and I wouldn't have it any other way. But they are a ton of work. And if you if they've been upkept consistently, they're great. If at any minute you lapse, everything kind of falls to crap. And so she's living in this house that it's faculty housing, which meant there's been a rotation of people through it. So the banisters creak, the stairs creak, the plumbing's really not great. Um, you know, if you run one shower, everything else leaks into different closets and bathrooms and toilets. And the biggest feature of this house is that the kitchen is unattached. It's in, it's basically they take they someone took a garage and made it the kitchen. And um, I've had so many questions about that. And to me, it seemed almost obvious that. The center, the heart of the house for all of us, but really for her, because she is a baker and she's very happy and calm in the kitchen. It's like her happy place. Um, it's what, you know, it's the heart of her house. And what would it be like if your heart were outside of your body? Yeah. Like it's an immense sense of displacement. And this is a book about displacement, displacement. at the end of the day. And so she, it's like she's, the house is displaced. Like she can find no comfort anywhere. And also, as a comic writer, I'm always looking for situations where you can have some good humor and just trudging across the garage in boots and a raincoat in the middle of the night to bake a babka is funny. Right. When you're yeah. thoroughly and heavily pregnant. When you're heavily also. pregnant and haven't slept in a while and uh, blogging. Right. So it's these kinds of things just make the book just so much fun to read. Um, I first off, I one thing I did love about the book is I also wrote a book about an older woman getting pregnant, although it's very different. It's much less funny. 
Um, it's called a borrowed life. Okay. And so she gets pregnant, um, uh, widowed, actually. She's widowed and um, becomes pregnant. Read it I'm writing it down. <laughs> so that's a whole life journey for her. Um, so that was that was a fun thing for me to write. And I came to it probably in partly the same way that you did. It's like, what am I going to write about? It's like, oh, my God, what would it be like to get pregnant, you know, at, at advanced age? I had a little fear moment. <laughs> what if? Uh, for me, it would have been not good. Two kids were good for me. And then I also raised um, my, helped raise my partner's kids. They never lived with us full time. So, you know, it, it, kids, it's good. But yeah. once they're grown up, they're, you know, you want to move on and do other things. Find a life. For me, it was a little bit of a fever dream. I'm not going to lie. I got really? so vicariously. Yeah, I love a baby. Do you? I do. I mean, I do. Yeah, well, and that's that's you know, I mean, the road. You have plenty of opportunities right. for grandchildren. Right, I do. No, no, totally. But it was like I knew people who this happened to, so uh -huh. I yeah. asked questions to this exact same way at this right. exact same age. Yeah, it is not uncommon. Not and, at all. Um, I always was like a little bit. Oh, okay, maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Well, see, that's that's a fun thing to know yeah. about you. Um, so the book, again, everybody, it is The Truth and Other Hidden Things. It is out in the world, so you can find it where books are sold. Let's make sure that everybody can find you, Lee, just so they can track you down and know where to stock you and all of that. So we have your website, which is leegeller.com. And that, for those of you who are listening in and not watching, it's Lee, L-E-A-G-E-L-L-E-R.com is the website. Where can people find you on social media? You can find me on Instagram, Lee Geller author. You can find me on Facebook. You can find me on Twitter, L-R Geller. I'm everywhere, but just not on TikTok yet. Yeah. What is with TikTok? I just, honestly, I haven't even figured that one out yet. I, yeah, I, I mean, know the next thing. I just, I'm going to have to get dragged in, I think. I'm not quite ready. No. But it is the next thing. And I think it's the next thing for the book world. Like, it's a pretty significant driving force in terms of selling books. I wish that you had not just told me that. There's something <laughs> called Book Talk. There was a very big article in the New York Times about it. On TikTok. Okay. All right. Well, it's adolescent girls talking about books that they've cried over and other girls are going out and boys are going out. I mean, it's actually wonderful. I mean, right. something very intimidating about it, obviously for us. And, but like as a, as a, as a, as a child that read and it, it would have, I mean, there's so much more available now, so many more books, so, this whole YA genre in general, but like right. to have a community of book readers online and I don't know, it just seems great. Oh, it is. It's lovely. I just am intimidated by learning a whole new. I just figured out everything else. It'll take time for me. Ah, we'll get there. It'll be awesome. So um, before we go, are you working on anything else right now? Can you tell us what I, the next project is? I'm working on a book about a former child actress who has to shoot a reboot. Oh, wow. Yes. Well, that sounds fun. It is fun. I hope it's fun. It's fun. So, um, and uh, yeah, that's, she's, you know, she has, she's, she hasn't acted in, you know, I don't know. She left in her teens and she's early forties. So she hasn't acted in a very long time. Oh yeah. So coming back to that world yeah, and dealing to LA and to the world and to the, and to Hollywood and to what everybody, you know, just how everybody, well, you know, I, I guess faces are kind of like old houses, like, 
if you've been keeping them up consistently, <laughs> they look a certain way like a Hollywood face. But if you've been living a real life for 30 years and you take your real face back down to Hollywood, it looks a little different. Yeah, no but kidding. Right? That, um, yeah. Oh, no, this I can see all kinds of opportunities in this. It sounds wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for hopping on the show today. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for yeah. having me. It was lovely to meet you and to finally learn how to pronounce your name. I can't wait to read A Borrowed Life. I just wrote it down. Oh, well, thank you very much. So thank you. Thank you for listening. Um, I am taking a break next week. I'm actually going on a research trip. I'm not going to tell you too much about that for the book that I'm writing right now, but I'll tell you more later. But I will be back the next week with another guest. So tune in then. For now, thanks so much, Lee. Uh, take care and I will see you online. Good night. Bye.